everyone, and welcome to yet another edition of Bavarian Podcast Works. We are sad here today because we really wanted to talk about Harry Kane. It might be the biggest signing in the club's entire history. It is the record signing for sure. But instead, we have to talk about this game where Bayern just completely lost the plot and went down 3-0 to RB Leipzig. And poor Kane, like terrible debut due to no, no fault of his own. Like we've seen some spectacular debuts in Bayern shirts, but this this couldn't be it. In your thoughts? Oh my God. Like, I don't know where to begin. To be perfectly honest with you, like the only shred of hope that I'm clinging on to right now is that last time we lost the Super Cup, we won the treble. So um, treble on, I guess, or something. I don't know. But the thing is, like, like where, where do you begin? You begin from the lineup, right? Because it yeah. all starts at the top, which is Thomas Tuchel and his decision making. He chooses the lineup and the lineup had so many flaws in it that people were able to see it coming from a mile away. You can look at our game thread. There are over almost 2,000 comments on there now. But if you go there and look at it chronologically, people were worried about Tuchel Ball, uh, mainly me, and people were especially worried after seeing the lineup and Benjamin Pavard there. Let's start with this guy, okay? What is Tuchel doing with Benjamin Pavard? He does not want to be at Bayern Munich. He has made it clear that he wants to leave. He has rejected all contract extension offers given to him. He has negotiated with teams like Man United and Barcelona. He does not want to be a right back. He wants to be a center back. Despite knowing all of this and the fact that we have extremely capable right backs like Nusser Matraoui and Joseph Stanisic, Tuchel starts this guy at right back. This is why I'm glad we didn't get Kyle Walker, because this is exactly what Tuchel would have done if Walker was still here, you know? He benched Mitzrawi and put in Pavard, and we saw the exact thing that always happens whenever Pavard starts. He never goes forward in time. He doesn't know how to overlap. His passing from the right-back spot is mediocre at best, and his defending, while on a man-to-man -man basis, is very good. Tactically, because he's so passive, it just invites pressure from that side of the pitch. And you end up with what we saw today, where Danny Olmo went, he just ran riot on Pavard's side. Every single good Leipzig attack went down the right side of Bayern's pitch. Compare that to the left side, where there was Alfonso Davies, the guy who is often criticized for not being a proper defensive letback. He had everything under control there, and he was going forward, and he was a complete menace to the Leipzig side. And he was the only guy today, I think, who actually deserves to put on that Bayern shirt because he was actually good. This is something we've known for a long time, right? What happens when Pafar does it? But it's like Tuchel has not learned his lessons. And then he does... The other thing, he goes ahead and puts Pavard on one side and is Leroy Sané in front of him. There is a way to make Pavard at right back work. I mean, come on, we want to treble with him, right? And he's not that bad. But you have to put a proper winger on his side, someone who can really provide with on his own. Someone like Kingsley Coman. You cannot put Leroy Sané there because he becomes completely redundant if he's not receiving proper support from his fullback. By putting Sané there already, Tuchel puts Bayern Munich essentially at a two-man disadvantage. It's like not only is Sané non-existent when he's played on the right with Pavard, he's actually an active detriment to the team because of how easily he can lose the ball. It's it's just, it's just like, I, I don't know. I, you, you say something. You tell me 
what do you think about this specific thing? I think we're going to have to go through these things point by point. So today might be a long podcast. So the the first thing I said, and it's in our chat, when um when the lineups came out was, I'm very surprised to see Pava in there and not Masrawi. That was the first criticism I had. And what is really reflective of Pava's performance was there was one Leipzig attack that came down his side and that would have definitely resulted in a goal, but defending from Sane actually stopped it from being a goal. So, I mean, what is the point of Pava? I, I don't understand. He doesn't want to be there. He obviously doesn't want to be there. His performances are dropping off. There are some that he committed a foul or two today that I thought if he does one more of these, he gets sent off. Tuchel by halftime knew that Pava had to come off, but he didn't need till halftime to know. If we all knew, if every fan in the game thread knew, then Tuchel shouldn't know. And that's been the problem with Tuchel from the get-go. He never learns. We can go all the way back to the Manchester City game where after that first game without Muller, the whole, the deficiencies were very, very clear that Bayern could create chances, but not enough. We needed somebody to connect all the threads. He didn't start Muller in the, in the return leg. And obviously the return leg went pretty much as we expected to a better performance in the first leg. But, uh, I, I feel like I don't remember any Bayern coach getting as much grace as I have seen Tuchel get, only maybe because of the circumstances of his hiring. There were so many bad results last year, and we start this one with a horrible result. And while I know the Super Cup, it, it is a trophy, it is a glorified, a bit of a glorified friendly, the performance today, um, I didn't see that many positives from it. And like you, I thought Davies was one of the only bright lights and everybody had an average to bad game today. What do you think about Tuchel choosing Upamecano and Delict in the middle, and then at halftime taking Delict off? I'm kind of I'm kind of weird weirded out by that to be honest. Because first of all, um, Upamecano and Delict, I don't necessarily have an issue with them starting. They, as we all know, they make a very good pairing together, and they were one of if not the best centre-back duo in Europe last season, disregarding that one game against Man City where, you know, what happened. I think that, honestly, they were just hung out to dry. And I don't think it really mattered that we subbed on Kim Min Jae in the second half. At this point, it feels like whoever we play in those two centre-back spots, it's completely superfluous. And the problem, as far as I can tell, is the midfield. I 100% agree. The problem is structural. It is not with our center backs. Upamecano, except for, you know, those those occasional Jerome Boateng-ish moments. He's very like Boateng in that he has that occasional horrible mistake, but is overall a very good defender and a ball-playing defender. He's a, he, he was worth the price tag that Leipzig put on him. We don't know if it has indeed paid off, but, you know, he's, he's a good player. Delict was one of the most wanted defenders in the world. Kim Min-jae is an excellent player, too. It is... I, I don't know what is going on with that midfield. It seems like Tuchel put in Limer, and I actually didn't. I was not surprised that he put in Limer, but I would have rather that he had gone with Correa. I, I wanted to see how that would have worked out because Limer didn't work out. But I don't know if I fully even put the midfield issues on Limer because Kimmich, man. Oh man. Um. um what did you think of Kimmich today? I'll say that he was better than Limer. <laughs> just I, about. I, just about. That's kind of the thing, because Kimmich is the beating heart of the team. He has to be on top form 
if the team is going to do anything. And he wasn't far from that. You could see some moments where literally when he got the ball, he did he did not seem aware of where his passing options were. He had to take the ball and then kind of scan everyone else and then decide where to pass or where to pass forward or something. That instinctual awareness of the players around him was missing from Kimmich's game today, and that slowed him down significantly. That's what led to certain situations, I think, where it's very stark. Kimmich gets the ball and immediately a Leipzig player presses him before he can release it. How often did this happen today in comparison to other coaches like Kimmich under other coaches that we've seen? This is not normal behavior for Joshua Kimmich. And for me, it's not just him being out of form or not meshing with whatever Tuchel wants him to do. I think there is a fundamental misunderstanding from him of the team structure and what the team, the players around him should be doing. He doesn't know where his passing options are. And that's forcing him to really, I don't know, just take that extra millisecond or two to process and pass the ball forward. And that's making it near impossible for him to play his natural game. So I'm not really going to blame Kimmich for his bad performance. I think it, again, it just goes back to the coach. And Limer, you said you wanted to see Goretzka, but I genuinely don't think Goretzka would have done anything different or anything better. Because what was the role there? What would Tuchel even tell Goretzka to do in the system that we, he was given? You're only saying Goretzka because we know what Goretzka can do in a midfield that doesn't suck under someone like Hansi Flick or Julian Nagelsmann. But like those two coaches, they gave Goretzka a role to play, right? There is no role that Goretzka or Limer could fill in this team as described by Tuchel and as set up by Tuchel. It is simply that basic. And I, I, I cannot, like... I can criticize the players' performances, but I can't blame them, if that makes any sense. Except for certain other things that we're going to talk about, like set pieces. But that, it's 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 like if your midfield sucks and you have great players like Kimmich Goretzka-Limer, then, then it has to be tactical, right? Yeah, and that's the other thing with Tuchel. I don't exactly know what the definition of this team is supposed to be. I don't really understand what exactly he's trying to do because I don't think the team has come anywhere near pulling off what Tuchel wants to do. So there's a mismatch in definitions said by Tuchel and in definitions that the team understands. And previously, um, this happened under Klinsman years ago. One of the big complaints was the players really didn't know what to do. And that's why even good players, even great players played really, really poorly under Klinsman. And to an extent, the same argument applies to Tuchel. Defenders just hung out to dry. Kimmich, I don't think, has had a great game ever since Tuchel came. Uh, there's no place for Goretzka in the system, like you said. And yeah, I did want to see him just because I know what Goretzka, what a good, fantastic Goretzka can do in a regular Bayern Munich midfield. But it does seem like Tuchel doesn't have a place for him. Jamal Musiala in the middle, that kind of still bothers me because I still think he can do more damage from the wing. But Exactly. But yeah. today 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 you can't really blame it because well, Musiala was playing because he was the only attacking midfielder available. Thomas Muller wasn't there. But but even then, the system that Musiala has around him, it has effectively taken one of the most dynamic and creative and exciting players in Europe. I'm not even going to say young players. He's legitimately one of the most dynamic players in Europe right now, all age groups. Tuchel has taken that and completely neutered it. Remember, there was that game a few years back. Thomas Muller got COVID. That's why he missed Lazio, right? So against Lazio, Hansi Flick puts Moziala in Muller's position. And while he didn't have the same role as Thomas Muller, he could slot in 
to the attacking midfield spot and still be excellent. And he scored and he was probably almost man of the match. So the thing is, like, that is impossible in this two-goal system. Muziala doesn't get the ball. And when he does, he's surrounded by five or six players. People keep pointing out the wrong solutions here. They keep saying Muziala needs to bulk up so he can win those duels in midfield. But, like... If you're asking Muziala to win shoulder-to-shoulder duels in midfield, you've already failed the basics because he can't dribble when he's going shoulder-to-shoulder with someone and he's not going to stay fit or agile when he gains another, I don't know, 20, 30, 40 pounds. It's not going to make any difference to his game. In fact, it might make him worse. In the meantime, Tuchel, he literally had an interview earlier. I don't know if it's been published on our website or not. It might be soon or it has been already. Where he said his plan is to give Moziala chances in areas that he's good in. But this current system, does he ever get the ball in good chances, good areas? No, not at all. Even when the subs were made, Moziala was still completely superfluous. So it's just like, it's it's so frustrating. And it's like, maybe Thomas Muller might fix, right? Because he is a tactical genius and he could salvage something from this absolutely appalling mishmash of things that we're seeing on the pitch. But that's, at that point, it's just a band-aid. It's not going to fix the fundamental problem with the structure of the system and who's passing where and when. These are basics that just, like, they have to be fixed in the lineup, in training, in the coach's head, really. If they're not fixed there, then we're going to see these results on the pitch no matter who plays. And this brings me to an important fact about the striker who played today, Matty Tell. A lot of people are going to be blaming him for the result today because he missed quite a few chances. But I'm going to say, if a team that is worth as much as Bayern Munich, there's many top-level players and a top-level coach as Bayern Munich, can lose to a team like RB Leipzig, who lost some of their best players this summer, 3-0 at home because an 18-year-old missed a few chances, then that just says it all, really. That just says it all about the whole team, you know? If anything, like while Tell probably missed our two best chances, I'm going to yeah. say I, I didn't hate what I saw from him. His awareness is pretty I. good. Yeah. Um, he's a second too late or a second too early to some things, but those things get fixed with experience. So that's one thing about Tell. What you were saying about positional awareness and the entire team, it, it was just notable that so many of our chances, well, not so many because there were so many, um, happened because of the individual brilliance of our players rather than the team structure. Davies took on two, three guys together. Mazrawi did that when he came on. Mm -hmm. There was not really much that was created because of the one-touch football that we had seen earlier on from previous coaches, maybe in the first half, some of the moves via Gnabry and Zane. But as the match wore on, it was really individual brilliance that moved us forward. And when Leipzig scored that third and we got deflated and the players stopped trying as hard, it was telling that basically absolutely nothing happened. Yeah, that's just kind of the thing. That's the pattern with Thomas Tuchel's Bayern Munich side. It's just like, how do we say it? It's just that there was no idea behind it. At least when Nagelsmann had his moments, you know, his bad ideas, his bad games, his disastrous formations. At least there was some kind of vision behind it. Tuchel, I don't know what he's doing, really. I don't know what he wants his team to do. I don't know what he expects his team to do. He keeps begging for a defensive midfielder, but I see no indication that a defensive midfielder is going to change anything about the way we play, because it's not going to fix our attack. It's not going to fix our midfield at all. Definitely not. It's not going to fix our defense. It's, it's like, at this point, I just wonder... Like, does he just not get 
the talent at his disposal? Does he not understand how to use it? And how can he not? Because it should be simple, right? He should just be looking at a few clips of the team under Nagelsmann or under Flick because it's more or less the same team. And he would know. He would know exactly what to do. And instead, it's not even like he's doing anything outlandish. He's just a massive lack of ideas. And you and I both saw the quote after the game. He is completely baffled as to why we lost, which is really, really telling, I think. I think he genuinely has no clue right now. And I don't mean it like manager's got no clue. He has no ideas. The way people say derisively to say that a manager is stupid. I don't mean that. I genuinely mean that Tuchel is completely out of ideas for what to do with the players he has. I think he almost came in with a vision when he was signed and he didn't really think about whether the players in his squad would meet that vision. And that's been the problem from the get-go. He doesn't really understand what he has at his disposal. He doesn't really understand the best quality for his players. That's why Goretzka, player, by the way, who's on a long-term contract with us, doesn't really have a space in this team. Like, if you're a coach coming in, you know that Goretzka is one of the crucial parts of this team and you find a way or you try to integrate your best players into their best roles. And even an off-form Bayern wouldn't have, maybe they still would have conceded three. They would have scored at least one. There was at no point, at no point did I think Bayern even deserved a goal today. It, it Well, was there just, were a few chances, yeah. to be fair. The, like, like Tell were. and, yeah. yeah. But sure, I think on, but compare on the that, balance, you know? the, yeah. yeah, on the balance, I think the scoreline is more or less fair. It just reflects. <laughs> yeah, me too. It reflects <laughs> just how inept we were. And any positives really saw were because we have so much insane talent on the pitch like so many of these players are top three top five at their positions and like it's just one of those things where like i know that people are gonna again come back to the finishing and tell let me just point out that when harry kane came on how many chances did he get did he get any chances did he get even any touches how many touches did he get on the ball in the penalty area did he was he allowed to play that playmaking 10 role that he can do at spurs no he didn't do anything and obviously I understand. He literally just got here last night. He was up till probably 2, 3, 4 a.m. So it, you don't expect much from him in this game. But Tuchel clearly did. That's why he brought him on for the last 30 minutes. And on top of that, you can just see how much effort it takes to get any player into a scoring position on this setup. People keep talking about, again, the chances thing. People keep bringing that up. But a good top team, they can generally make around 20 chances in a game like this, or 20 good chances, of which they can score maybe three or four. Instead of that, what we have here at Bayern is a game where we create maybe five chances in the whole 90 minutes. And then we expect our players to be almost 90 or 100% efficient and say we should have actually had four goals, which does not make any sense to me. It's just a complete misreading of how the game of football works and how Bayern Munich as a team has functioned. A team like Atletico Madrid, they can create four chances and score maybe one. Bayern Munich cannot do that. That's not how we play. And that's not ever going to be how we play. And that's not how Tuchel has set us up to play, realistically. Because if he had, we would be much more defensive and we're not. We have a lot of possession. We attack a lot. It's just that nothing is coming off. In that sense, I think if Robert Lewandowski were around today, um, up front, he would have struggled too. Yes. And we've seen these games from yeah. Lewandowski, right? Where he doesn't mm -hmm. get any service and he just completely like he can't do anything. Maybe he yeah. would have scored one or two. Doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. We would still lose, right? Yeah. Doesn't change and the result. He would have complained a lot. 
after yes. full time yes. about a lack of chances and rightfully maybe, so and that's yeah. Yeah. yeah maybe if we had Lewandowski and Muller right then we could have seen more chances but <laughs> okay like, wait wait wait, wait, wait. Tuchel would never play Muller okay let's just let's just get yeah, this that's out the of point the that's the thing yeah. right the, because look the biggest the, the biggest red flag to me was back in the Manchester City game where Tuchel before the game even started so he was not making any excuses he literally says Thomas Muller is fit but I didn't play him why? Because I wanted pace up top. What the hell? And that just tells you this guy, like what he thinks of the talent he has, like what he thinks of the players and how he wants to use them. If you think that Thomas Muller can be benched in favor of pace, then you just have no clue, no clue at all. It is just, and, and people are going to say you wanted Tuchel here in. Yes, I did. But I also wanted Nagelsmann here and I also wanted Carlo Ancelotti and etc. etc. So um, I don't have a great record on this. Tuchel needs to go in my opinion this is the only takeaway i can take from this match i don't think there is anything we can do i know that the transfer market is so open but i don't think there's anything we can realistically do to improve this team further other than getting a new goalkeeper which would actually change the result or the style of play that we saw today there is no silver magic bullet yes we can get better when kane is integrated yes we can get better if thomas muller is added back to the setup yes we can get better if Musiala is played on the left etc 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 these things will make us slightly better but it won't fix us and i think that's the most important takeaway from this game if we want to fix ourselves we need to get rid of thomas tuchel did you happen to catch an image of Uli Honus and Dieter Honus in the stands at the end of the game today? Uh, Uli looked so deflated. And I, like I said, I think the extension cord, I think the amount of patience that Bayern has had with Tuchel is longer than any I remember in recent memory. We have had enough bizarre results and enough, enough losses for Tuchel to not be here anymore. But he is. And now... I think I think Bayern are not going to fire him. I, I really don't. Unless in September, after our very difficult six, seven games at the start of the season, we end up like ninth in the table or something, which we might, by the way. Which we like, are on the way to doing. I mean, yeah. come on. We might beat Werder, yeah. but then after that, Leverkusen and et cetera, et cetera. Like, come on. We are, we are going to yeah. get. And it's going to reflect poorly on a lot of these players and a lot of these guys. Yeah. Who do you yeah. get when Tuchel goes? People are going to ask, That's... so we might as well. That's a tough one for me. And I I don't I don't really know, but I would rather not go too high profile, although Zidane had shown his interest in coming. I would even try like, you know, another somebody from the Red Bull system who's not Nagelsmann. Oh no, not Red Bull again. You like, know what? You want Met Matthias Jaisel. I mean, not Nagelsmann not necessarily. Or... I don't know I don't know who else is in the network of Red Bull coaches, but I Jesse don't know. Marsh. I think like, God, no, please, please, please. Let's not get into that. I think a guy like Marco Rosa, who actually understands his team Let's, and understands the way his oh, team is set up. On. Another know. RB Leipzig coach. I'm, I'm just I'm just saying. And I don't look for various personal reasons. I don't want Marco Rosa at Bayern. The way he he flamed out at Gladbach. Gladbach. I'm, yeah, I have. I've never forgotten that. So I don't want him. Still here. be buying though. Oh yeah, I mean that's that's a given. Speaking of which, we do have Gladbach pretty soon. But yes, um, he, I don't. It's fine. I don't know. It's fine. We'll lose that. It doesn't matter. Yeah. But I mean, the thing is, look, why yeah. not? We should get Zabi Alonso, and I know he extended his contract uh... with Bayer Leverkusen. But I think, I think that we, every time we hired a high-profile coach with a lot of hype behind them, it's not worked out for us. I think the last one that you can say that a profile coach that worked out for us was Pep, and Pep 
did leave us with a bad taste in our mouths. Compare that to someone like a little bit less known, someone like Flick. So maybe, maybe Alonso can be that guy. Aside from that, maybe Flick gets sacked and we hire him again. Possible. Uh, yeah. It's possible because Germany, oh my goodness, they're actually worse than Bayern, which is, oh boy, we're not having fun, are we? Uh, what do you think of Oliver Glasner? I don't think about him at all. <laughs> Who do you think right now in the Bundesliga would be a good fit at Bayern? Um, Christian Streich. Yeah. I think I think I, yeah. I think tactically he could do it. But um I don't know. I, I think he would also be able to command respect from the dressing room, at least due to his general experience and seniority. But there is the other factor that he's never coached at this level. And we would also have to pry him away from Freiburg, which would not make us any more popular in the league, which is um not not something that I would like to see. So instead, maybe Zabi Alonso is a better idea because he seems like a great modern coach who can actually get a team as limp as Leverkusen looking like they have some something resembling mentality. So maybe that's the thing we need. Because look, otherwise, we can't continue with Tuchel, right? It, it's not, it, it it's just setting us up a disaster. It's completely, at, at this level of performance, forget the Champions League, we may not even make the Europa League. It's it's really that dire at this moment. Right, right. Um, prying away strike is is basically not an option. Chabi Alonso, I I would rather give him one more season at Leverkusen because because we can't last season, it. I mean, yeah, we can't. We have to find other options. But just going back to Leverkusen's tie against Roma last season, the Europa League. If you think Bayern is frustrating with chances, try watching those two games. And Leverkusen played and played and played and had um an immense amount of possession and yes it was against the Mourinho side but they really couldn't do anything with it and the craziest part of all of this was Xavi Alonso didn't really make any major changes going from the first leg to the second leg to the end of that game knowing what the problem was all through. Leverkusen don't necessarily have the squad depth and squad that Bayern has but Leverkusen has a pretty good squad and there were answers in there maybe that's why they went and got a guy like Hoffman who can really really finish but that those problems that he had in that Roma tie felt very reminiscent of the problems that Bayern currently have. And that is why I just, I'm not sold on Chabi Alonso. But going low profile, I'm always a fan of promoting from the youth teams, but I don't know. Yeah, we don't, we don't have any yeah. youth, anything yeah. really coming at, right. at this point. At this point, might as well give the reins to Thomas Muller, really. I was uh, yeah yeah make him into a player coach. Uh, speaking of speaking of coaches, the one guy who has escaped our wrath so far today, Anthony Barry. Oh <laughs> my god! The only guy I can hate more than Tuchel right now is Anthony Barry. We paid a million euros for this guy from Chelsea, and it genuinely feels like he's a Chelsea agent here because Emic's corners have never been worse, have they? Like. Every single one went into the Leipzig keeper's hands. And the one that didn't went out for a goal kick, which is just our set pieces, the organization on them, both offensive and defensive. They're so bad. I genuinely don't know what these guys do in training. I don't. It's it's actually worse than if we didn't train set pieces at all at this point. What is yeah. going on? Like, Simon, yeah. can you explain any of this? I think it's, it's a couple of things. The first one would be that Kimmich is too stubborn to give up corners and nobody wants to address the issue with Kimmich, although Sané took a few as well. The other, I would 
probably say is we haven't been that good at corners for a while. We've never really been the leading team in Germany with like the highest number of goals scored from corners and all that. Even then, the whole idea that somebody was brought in for set pieces means our set pieces, our corners should get better. Even if it is Kimmich taking them, there doesn't seem to be any plan. Kimmich's plan seems to be toss it into the box and let's hope and see what happens. If that was Kimmich's plan... It would be better than what we're seeing now, because right now, Kim seems to be deliberately getting it as close to the keeper as possible. Yeah, yeah, that's the other thing. I just don't think he's very good at executing that strategy. There's just, there's so much, there's so many problems, but they all go back to that idea of a structural problem. And that goes down to Tuchel. But let me ask you this. Right after signing Harry Kane, do you think the board will consider Tuchel's position? Yes. In fact, signing Harry Kane for me is the reason that they will. They cannot afford the team completely self-destructing after signing Harry Kane. That would be a catastrophe of epic, massive, impossible proportions. Instead of that, I think they will bite the bullet and sack Tuchel by October. As I've been saying since, what, basically, I've been saying this since March, I think. No, I can't yeah. be saying this is March yeah. because Tuchel only took over in April. But yeah, I've been saying this. <laughs> I've been saying this since like at least since May or something. So he's going to get sacked by October and November, and uh, we're going to have that usual thing. There are a couple of international breaks there, and we're going to have to find someone. And I hope maybe we give the Avengers a call. I mean, Yupankis, and um, <laughs> he comes in and he fixes this because it's a good squad. I believe in the squad. I believe in the players, even though they kind of do play like headless chicken sometimes. But I believe in the players and I think they just need, they're crying out for instruction and Tuchel cannot give it to them for whatever reason. Tuchel himself, I don't think he's a terrible coach. He's won the Champions League. Come on. Like, but coaches that win Champions Leagues, as we saw with Ancelotti, they don't necessarily have to come to Bayern and succeed. So I don't think there's any reason to continue this Tuchel experiment. Sunk costs are sunk costs and we just move on. He helped us get Kane, which is good. But any coach in the world will be happy to have Harry Kane on his side. So it's not like that was a Tuchel-specific signing. I think, well, I've been saying it for a long time. I think it's time to move on. And it doesn't matter what happens with Kane or this or that or etc. It's just, it's over. It's completely, he's got to go. He's, it's time to go. Yeah. I got another name floating in my mind for you. What do you think of Sebastian Honus? And this is the last one I'm going to yes, throw to you. Yes, I, 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 I was thinking about this. I was thinking about Sebastian Honus. It's a possibility. It's a possibility, but he would have the stigma of being Uli's nephew. Nepotism. Nepotism, <laughs> which after what happened in Nagelsmann and stuff, I don't think the bosses want to touch that can of worms. I think they'll spend more money on someone else instead of getting someone like Honus because, well, it's not their money, right? It's It's even though they seem to spend it with as much care as their own blood and tears or whatever. But yeah, I think that's, I think we've exhausted our discussion on the coach. Is there anything else we want to say about the players? Like you said, I think it's a good squad. I don't think the problem is the squad. Yep, I guess so. Now, the thing is, coming into this, I wanted to really be nice and smug sitting here talking about our new big superstar transfer and how he just won his first trophy and ha 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 Spurs he never won a trophy there and now he's here and etc etc instead of that I'm here talking about how our coach is a complete and total imbecile and I have to sit here and feel sorry for Harry Kane because you know people are not gonna analyze this game people who are not buying fans and even most buying fans are not gonna analyze this game they're just gonna meme about the fact that Kane came here and then the 
trophy that we have won every single time for the last, I think, three years or something. Like every single time since 2019, we have just lost it. And a team that we beat, I think, 5-3 or something last season has come here and beaten us 3-0 at our own ground. It's not a good look, you know? And it's especially not a good look because I get the feeling that a lot of eyes were on Bayern Munich today. A lot of eyes were here to see what is this team that Kane has joined. And I like to think of us as a big club and we are a very big club, but it is true that our exposure could be better. And it's this Kane transfer brings that exposure. But I'm really worried that if anyone watched Bayern Munich today, say you're a young English kid whose favorite player is Harry Kane, you tuned into us today. You're not going to support Bayern Munich in the future. You're not, we're not making new fans from this, you know? And honestly, the message this sends out, this one game, I don't want to put too much credence into single games and stuff, but given the circumstances, given the insane transfer of Harry Kane and everything that went on before this, how much we had to go through to sign him, it is, in my opinion, much worse than previous Super Cups that we've endured where we did not win because we do lose Super Cup from time to time. Yeah. Yeah, I think it had two effects. The one that you mentioned about by not really winning any supporters today, but it also, for any English pundits or people on television who pretend to be pundits tuning in, they, they'll probably realize that the Bundesliga is not as straightforward as it seems. They're they not didn't realize to. it. They're and, not going to. You know, Let's be so? honest. They're not going to. They're just going to look at this and say, ha-ha, they're going to laugh at us. But they're not going to analyze it. They're not going to look at it and say, yeah, RB Leipzig are actually a pretty decent team. And they, on their day, they could easily give any of the EPL top six a run for their money and even win. They don't even care the fact that RB Leipzig drew one all with Manchester City in the first leg of their Champions League game last season, right? Does that matter to them? No. So, like, in those circumstances, if you're expecting the narrative around the Bundesliga to change from this, you are, I think you're just being a little bit naive here because the English pundits, the English language pundits, they hate the Bundesliga. They hate Bayern. They literally pronounce, like I was watching some stuff on TalkSport, some stuff about reactions to the Kane transfer, you know, and you might ask me, why would, why the hell would I subject myself to that? But they were actually quite funny because you had Spurs fans literally losing their mind. But in the meantime, the way that pundits talk about the Bundesliga, they literally pronounce the word Bundesliga with the same disgust that you'd say the word tapeworm. It is, it's almost pathological with them that they hate everything that this league stands for. They don't understand it. And Kane coming here, all it does is put a target on our backs because if we are anything less than perfect, they're going to go on about how it was a massive mistake for Kane to leave. And they're going to say, this is just what happens when you leave your comfort zone or this or that, or like any number of narratives are going to come out of this and none of them are good. That is why what I see, what I envision coming out of this. And look, you can tell me I'm wrong, but I'm sure that you are, you know, the truth, you know, what is going to happen, right? Yeah. 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 Um, I just... I guess the only reason why I would even suggest it is the hype of Kane and the stardom, yeah. which is which is he is genuinely a superstar. So yeah. that that might impact the narrative, but just to focus on Kane I for think, a second. I think it just yeah. it, it impacts narrative, but negatively for us because the way that we, we, want. We, yeah. we, we stole a superstar from the Premier League. They are pissed. They oh, are yeah. not happy. They are yeah. not happy that we took the England captain in his prime. Yeah, so yeah. It's not, it, they have even more incentive to slander us as much as they can. I did see this segment from uh, Jamie Carragher, and um, 
Gary Neville yesterday. I, I find Jamie Carragher more tolerable than most because he does have some level of respect. But it, uh, hearing Gary Neville made me made me switch the channel very, very quickly. So I agree with that. But more on Kane himself, um, I think there are two ways to see what happened today about Kane. Number one, he's not in a team that already is winning and already is perfect. So he knows that he has a big role to fill, essentially Robert Lewandowski's shoes to fill. Nothing new for him. Nothing, nothing new for him. Yeah, which is, you know, except um, he was kind of stuck in the box today because of, I don't know what yeah. to what Tuchel told him to do. Yeah, must not have told him anything because yeah. I showed you the quote after the game. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Tuchel is literally saying here that Kane does not need to learn anything from us. We need to learn from Kane. My buddy, you need to learn how to coach with Kane. What the hell yeah. are you talking about? Yeah. What the hell are you talking about? He yeah, it's, goes it's on desperate. to say. Yeah, he goes on to say that Kane is going to fix all our problems. <sighs> yeah, you no. Know, and there's, a guy, yeah. there's a guy mm -hmm. on the blog who accuses me of constantly saying that I have been saying all summer that Kane is going to fix all our problems and that's going to be the end of that, which I have never said. I have been criticizing Tuchel for weeks and weeks and weeks. And you know this, right? Tell me I'm not delusional. No, no. Uh, I have on, said, on top of that, I have yeah. said that Kane is only a piece of the puzzle. Tuchel yeah. doesn't think so. Tuchel has completely bought in to the Kane superstar narrative. He loves this guy and he thinks he's going to be the guy for us. But the fact is, Kane is he's not messy. He's a very good player, but we need to put a system around him that can work to his favor. And if Tuchel is so out of sorts after this performance that he has no answers, I don't see how having Harry Kane to this lineup is going to make a difference for Bayern Munich as long as he's in charge. And this is very bad for Kane because I feel that He's in a new club for the first time, I think, in his career. I don't know if he went on loan or whatever early in his career. I don't know about yeah, that. Yeah, a few loan spells in his first three, four years okay. as a professional player. Yeah, but right now, Kane is in a new setting. He has the burden of being a hundred million euro signing, maybe more if you repeat, if you believe English reports. He has a burden on him. He needs to start scoring from the Bremen game onwards. And if he doesn't, we saw what happened with Sadio Mane. When the going got tough for him, he mentally just went poof, you know? And, well, I don't think that similar thing can happen to Kane. But what happened with Sadio Mane last season, the way he cracked under pressure, that's just what Bayern Munich does to you. And if Kane is not ready for that, and honestly, I don't know who really can be, I don't see things going very well for us. If we destroy a striker's confidence in these early months of the season, we, he may never get it back, you know? So either Kane really is the guy that took all thinks he is, or there is a chance that this transfer, well, in a vacuum, I think the Kane transfer is really good. But if Tuchel uses him the way we saw today, I'll be honest, I think Matty Tell did better than Kane because at least Tell, his movement was getting him chances to shoot on goal. Kane was nowhere near the ball, you know? So that is the most damning thing I can say about this game in terms of just the Harry Kane narrative. It's very worrying, you know? Yeah, I also think Kane should have sat a little deeper. Uh, Robert Lewandowski used to kind of do what he did, but that that doesn't kind of work anymore. So it would have helped if he sat a little deeper. But that's not on Kane again. And I can easily envision, and I hope I'm wrong, but the first five six games of the season go by, Kane doesn't get like maybe more than one or two goals on the board and is invisible in quite a few of them. I can see that happening. A, he just came, so he's not properly integrated into the team. B, headless chicken, Tuchel's yeah. game plans. 
Yeah. And I feel bad for Kane because he, in my mind, he is the perfect striker for this team. Someone who can play off of the Sanes, the Gennabrys, the Coman, someone who can sit a little deep, someone who can interchange with the with the four or five who are up front, up top, and be a lone striker from time to time up top. He, his fluidity makes him the perfect fit for this system. But the longer Tuchel stays, the longer we have no game plan, the longer this goes on, the longer we risk this transfer, 100 plus million transfer going absolutely nowhere. And I just hope Kane hangs in there because the only people who have managed to hang in there, the only person on this team who has managed to hang in there is Thomas Muller. Neuer aside, Neuer is the keeper. The only person who's managed to do it season after season after season and show up has been Thomas Muller. So people don't survive Thomas this very might be easily. The answer. No? Thomas Muller might be the answer, but Thomas Tuchel has been yeah, pretty clear. Yeah. About it, I think he said something along the lines of making sure that Mueller gets like a respectful retirement or something like that in the summer. He, he didn't say that, but it was Impacted. a report. It was a report in well, build. So it's kind of it's kind of almost the club narrative at this point that Mueller needs to be phased out respectfully. Which, well, given how we saw Muziala play today, I don't think that is going to happen. I think that Tuchel is going to get desperate. Tuchel reeks of desperation right now. That's why he brought on. Kane, who he admitted that Kane was up until 3 and 3 a.m. or 4 a.m. last night, and he still brought him on. That is irresponsible as a coach. Look at how much criticism you've opened him up to by doing this. You should have kept him on the bench in that case. And honestly, I wish he had stayed on the bench. At this point, I honestly wish that Daniel Levy had kept that playing grounded for one more day, you know? Because yeah, yeah. I wish I wish Kane had not been finalized until tomorrow or something. Because the narrative right now is so toxic, so insanely toxic, because Bayern Munich fans are toxic to begin with after any loss. And we're not helping. I mean, we've just spent the better part of 45 minutes talking about how Tuchel is an idiot and he needs to go. Bayern Munich fans are toxic to begin with. Then you have salty fans from other teams, teams that are salty that they didn't get Kane, teams that are salty that Kane was taken from them, aka Spurs, and teams that just have a grudge against Bayern. These guys are just going to dogpile on. And this is the curse of a superstar, of a superstar signing. Everyone is rooting for him to fail. He needs to work through that. And Thomas Tuchel needs to help him work through that. He can't just put his hands up and say, yeah, can do your thing. Because there is no thing to do. I think Thomas Tuchel has an annoying habit of pushing his players under the bus. Yeah. And you bet, you yeah. bet, if Harry Kane does not get going in the next three games, you bet bet he'll push him under the bus because that's just what he Tuchel better does. Not. He, he and, and at yeah. that point, if he does that, I think I think what's going to happen is that our leadership council has to come together and say, yeah, Tuchel, you got to go. Like what they did with Ancelotti. Because remember Ancelotti did that? He, put, he yeah. threw the players under the bus and the mm -hmm. council said, nah, you got to go. This, this is not right. But we don't have those characters in the dressing room anymore, which is the problem. We don't have Boateng all of his character flaws aside, Boateng, Matt Hummels, Iron Robin, Frank Ribéry, those guys are not here anymore. We have Neuer, we have Muller, but Muller struggling with injury and not a major player in Tuchel's system right now. Neuer, God knows when he'll return, which is something we'll have to talk about at some point. We didn't even mention Svelon Reich in this podcast. How many things are going wrong with Bayern Munich at this moment? Um, Kimmich, who knows what Kimmich is thinking, right? Yeah, then you have possibly about a move. Goretzka is part of the leadership council, but he is completely sidelined. So I don't know if he has even the power or the clout to 
make that kind of change or even if he wants to he doesn't seem like that kind of guy and the last guy i can even think of to agitate for that something like that is someone like matthias delict but delict played under allegri and never said a word so maybe he'll just suck it up to be honest it's just the thing is that i mentioned delict because in the post match presentations and stuff he is constantly the first guy to criticize the entire team including himself you know which i don't see much from you know in fact i don't see anything from kemik at all very recently for being the guy who was our captain today this is one hey, of those Kimmich. things that yeah, yeah this is one of those things that yeah it's really i don't know what to say about it it's just one of those things that have degraded at this club ever since Hansi was in charge it happens a little slowly under Nagelsmann and now into Tuchel it's just come all at once you know yeah i think Kimmich is also caught in a bit of a power struggle with Tuchel here Tuchel does yeah. not see him as a 6 he he sees himself as a 6 and he has pretty much fulfilled that 6 role for a Bayern ever for Bayern ever since Thiago left so he's he's not completely wrong not exactly a traditional 6 but you know that's kind of where he is at right now and i think with with Tuchel with the players, normally coaches can rely on their senior players. Tuchel can't because he's burning bridges with his senior players left, right, and center. So he's burning his bridges with Kimmich by making comments about the six and going on and on and on about the six. Um, doesn't mean that Bayern Munich don't necessarily need one, just means that he needs to stop. Uh, Goretzka, by sidelining Goretzka like this, he's losing a powerful ally in the dressing room by not getting, no one survives, no one survives not getting along with Muller. We know this. And if he doesn't start getting along with Muller very, very soon, it, it's well, just not going to work out I mean, him. oh man, he keeps playing Muller lift service, which is exactly what coaches have been doing ever since Kovac got sacked. They understand yeah. that Muller is too powerful, but they don't understand why he's so powerful, which is, well, it's just kind of missing the forest for the trees, you know? It's yeah. just like, I want to get back to the Kane thing because I want to really get all of this discussion over with because we, this is, today was the day he was made official. We can really talk about this. And we, I, I wanted to really talk about this in a positive light. I wanted to talk about what he can bring. But right now, it feels like everything about that transfer has just soured a little bit. Instead of talking about what Kane can bring, we're talking about what he can't bring, which is good tactics or a good formation or a good lineup. He can't do that because it's in the hands of the coach. In the meantime, you have the good PR that we wanted from this transfer. You yeah. saw, apparently, according to Manuel Veth, that the, the jerseys with Harry Kane on them, they were just flying off the shelves. And yeah. there were 68,000 people tracking his flight to Munich. I was one of them. It was very fun. Don't don't criticize me about this. Don't judge me. I did it too. Okay, the last 10 minutes I did it too. So I, I did I did it for maybe a little time. more than an hour. A little yeah. bit more than one and a half hours. Oh, uh, yeah, okay. And um on top of that, you also had these players that sorry, those fans that gathered outside the Sevenestrasa at 2 a.m. at night to sing and chant for Harry Kane. And the insane amount of noise the Allianz Arena made when he was just warming up, you know? So the Bayern Munich fan base generally is enthused by this guy. But after that performance, like, where is that energy going to go? I don't know. I think we just really squandered it. And I think that's really a shame. This could have been a great opportunity for us, both commercially and PR-wise. And I think, like, we have genuinely, we haven't gotten rid of it completely. Kane is here for four years, but we've not put our best foot forward. And we've seen with certain players, for example, like Darwin Nunez at Liverpool, if you don't put your best foot forward at the beginning, 
things can get very difficult. Things can get, it can get very difficult to change the narrative. And I'm very worried about Kane in that regard. Me too. He's never been at a club like Bayern. Yeah, Tottenham yes. are a pretty big club, but Tottenham, but not every pass, not every move he makes is scrutinized at a club mm. like Tottenham. He can have a bad game from time to time and come away relatively unscathed without too many questions in his face. It's not going to happen here. And that is the unfortunate part of all of it, because this is such a great transfer. Every single fan at the Allianz Arena know that. Every single fan who gathered to see him last night know that. And the greatest thing about this for me is not necessarily that Bayern chose Kane and went for him. It is that Kane chose Bayern. Yes. He could have run down his contract, but he didn't. Exactly. And he could have gone to other places. He could have gone to PSG if he wanted, if he wanted money. He could have gone to the Saudis if he wanted that. So it's not like he came here for money. He came here with goals in mind. He wanted to be competitive. And he sees the Bundesliga on that level that he can be competitive at and build a legacy at. And I think this is our biggest argument against the crap that is spewed by the English pundits all over the place, that their captain, their biggest star in their country, he came to Bayern Munich to be a star here. You know, this is the biggest how should I say it, counter-argument that you can get against the Bundesliga being a farmer's league or et cetera, et cetera. This is how we make the narrative stick. When we bought Mane, it moved the needle a bit. When we bought Sani, it moved the needle a bit. Kane has shifted the needle dramatically. And you're just going to see that needle shift a bit more and more and more as buying Munich continue. But that's only if we capitalize on this move. If Kane's transfer becomes a complete flop, yeah, it's not going to be, it's not going to be good. But it does, it, it's it's a win that we needed, especially after Declan Rice rejected us in favor of Arsenal, you know? It shows that we can get top, the top English talent. We can get top talent no matter who they are. Bayern Munich has the pull to get anyone. When Bayern Munich knocks, players listen. That is what it proves, but it will not stay that way forever if we don't make the most of it. Yeah, and... Honestly, this is much bigger than Declan Rice. Declan Rice yep. is looking for a move from a mid-table club to a big club. Yeah. Harry Kane is, for all, for everything, he is a legend of the game. Yeah. He just needs a trophy to just like solidify his status. But he is a legend. We already know that. At 30, he's won three Premier League Golden Boots. He's won a World Cup Golden Boot like our Thomas Muller. He's, he's done it all. And he just wants to put, you know, those last flashes on his career, those you know, the picturesque moments, the big trophies. If if this transfer doesn't go right, I think a lot of the blame will come down to management because again, I think he can succeed here. Just yeah. and the amount of money that Byron paid in in sponsorship deals, in marketing, in whatever, Byron will get a lot of that back. Yeah. As time goes on. This transfer might end up paying for itself if it is managed correctly. Exactly. Because if you get to like sponsorship stuff aside, like people buying Kane jerseys and becoming aware of buying Munich just because of the Kane transfer. That thing aside, if we get to, for example, the Champions League final and win it, that itself is a significant amount of money that offsets whatever we spent on Harry Kane. At that point, it's like, in basic terms, this transfer is a good transfer. It's a no-brainer, exactly what we needed. But it's, and I think some people kind of miss this when we keep saying it, it's not the only thing that we need. And that, I think, was exemplified by this game, where it showed all our flaws, unfortunately, to an audience that may have been slightly larger than our usual Bayern Munich Bundesliga cadre of fans, you know? Yeah, I think the other big issue is that 
I, I don't know if you're going to agree with me on this. I think you do. The only position that needs filling is the keeper. Yeah. The midfield can be sorted out. Yeah. Between the ones we have, the problem isn't necessarily the squad. Yeah. The team has to a certain degree underperform. You know, um, no one asked Gnabry to hit shots tamely at the keeper. That just happens. But Bayern Munich was never a team that relied on three, four or five chances. And that was my problem from the get-go with Tuchel. And that is my problem with him now. We are not creating anywhere near enough. And so where will goals come from if you create five? Hey, we created, what, 29-30. We had 30 shots on target against PSG under Flick. And we didn't win that game. We only scored two in that game. Still boggles my mind how we did that. 29 shots, that level of dominance. And Flick came out and rightly said that we should have scored more. So Tuchel's teams, I don't remember his Dortmund team that well. His Mainz team was pretty exciting. But as of late... in 15-16 was very good. Excellent, actually. That team was the one that missed out on the title by a couple points, right? Yeah. And also lost to Klopp's Liverpool in the Europa League somehow. God knows how. Yeah. Yeah. So that... But... As of late, his Chelsea team were not a good watch. Yeah. His PSG team, he fixed some holes, but they were not very good to watch either. So for me, Tuchel has gone into that sort of, you know, conservative mindset, a different kind of football. And that is not football that Bayern has seen for a long time. And I don't know who made this argument, but some people did make this argument when Tuchel was signed that Tuchel football does not Bayern football. And yeah. that is ringing true more and more and more by the second. You know, Tuchel football, in my opinion, was Bayern Munich football. Back in 2017, but now it isn't. Now it feels like a completely different. In 2017, he was playing like a mini Guardiola. Today, it's almost Mourinho-esque, almost, what we see from Tuchel. He wants to limit chances, keep possession, and like the attacking plays are so stale and this and that. And I'm almost tired of mentioning this thing because what can we do about it other than just wait for October to roll by and for Tuchel to get sacked? Because it doesn't seem like he has any answers, right? You think there's a chance the dressing room might turn against him? Yes, I think if they haven't already, it would be pretty. It, it, it's it's almost inevitable, in my opinion. When Nagelsmann was fired, am I remembering this correctly? That there was a council of players who were asked and most voted in favor of sacking. No, that did not happen. There were. I feel like I heard some rumors, but who knows? Um, I don't. I don't think that happened. Or not. You might be confusing it with either Ancelotti or Kovac. Oh yeah, yeah. That was that was Ancelotti. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. I don't. Yeah. Like there, there's a possibility that might come up. Like, again, Kimmich is a hard character to please in a sense. And if he keeps going on about the six, Kimmich is not going to be happy about it. But is there any way that Thomas Tuchel can turn this around? Yes, obviously. Just just play good football. Five head. Do you is, think is it, is, it, is it really that difficult with all these players that are supposed to play good football? I don't think so. It's not. But do you think he is the type to change his mind on the things that he's really stuck on right now? Yes, maybe. I mean, look, when he gets desperate, he's going to. The question is, is it going to be too little too late? We've always seen this. When they get desperate, they put Muller back in. They go back to the 4 2 3 one et cetera, et cetera. They do these things. All these coaches that think they can come in and put their stamp on Bayern Munich. Bayern Munich is a different beast. The question is whether Tuchel will go like Angelotti and Kovac, where they saw the truth too late, or he'll go like Nagelsmann, where he kept on bouncing from one crisis to another, showing amazing results one day and then absolutely dire results the other. That is more or less the question, you know? And I almost think that the latter is much worse than the former. At least in the former, we got a fresh start with a new coach. I I, I, I want to move on from this, you know? I want to... 
I want to ask about the goalkeeping situation. I think that's the last thing that we need to talk about today. Right. Is Fennel Red good enough? Um, I'm really caught in two minds about that because I remember that season. I think it was 17 to 18 when Neuer was out and he deputized and he did so well, except that one game against Real Madrid. I think it was the Benzema goal that yeah. really screwed us over and got us knocked out. But I don't see the other options as necessary as necessarily upgrades from Ulreich. I've seen Yassine Bono in the league. He has these moments that that, that I just don't want to see again. Um, no, The unfortunate truth is nobody is nowhere. Nobody understands that whole idea of when to come forward, when to push up, when to play as the last defender, and nobody's going to get there. Um, Ulreich did not make any glaring errors. In fact, he got very close to saving that Olmo penalty. penalty. Yeah, yeah. And there were like there were a couple of very good saves that he made. I like Rui. I don't think he's necessarily that much of an upgrade. But even if they were, they're not nowhere. So uh, might have to get somebody because there's like basically no keepers in the squad. No doubt. Whether Ulreich becomes first or second choice, I don't know. But I think it is worth the com- competition with whoever you get. Yeah, I I have to agree. And I'm honestly not that worried about the rumors that Kepa is on his way to Real Madrid because to Me be honest, too. yeah, I don't really rate Kepa much at all. I rate him higher than De Gea at least, but yeah, apparently Angelotti agrees with me because apparently De Gea was scouted by Real Madrid, but Angelotti right. completely vetoed the transfer. He said, no, 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 absolutely not, which is yeah. very funny, but also True. said something about what De Gea is in 2023. He is not the keeper he used to be. And even if he was the keeper he used to be, he's never been a Bayern type keeper. So yeah, I think that is pretty much all of it. I want to ask you, do you have any closing thoughts? I have one question for you, actually. Yeah. Do you think it was the right choice to let Jan Zomer go? Um, I don't think it was the right choice when we did it at the time we did it, you know, just weeks before the end of, I mean, the beginning of the season. And the, like, letting him go in August was probably the wrong choice. And this is almost ironic because it's the exact criticism Spurs fans make of Daniel Levy, you know, that they understand that Levy had to let Kane go, but not at the time that he did it. Sommer, I understand that he had a gentleman's agreement with Bayern Munich that he would be allowed to leave if he got a suitable offer. And he did manage to get his terms agreed with Inter Milan. The thing is that Inter sold Onana a long time ago. Sommer and Inter should have been informed that if they do not finalize the transfer by July, they would not, like Sommer would not be allowed to leave. And the problem here is the fact that we just simply did not, or at least the bosses simply just overestimated how far along Manuel Neuer was on his recovery, which I don't understand why. Because in any recovery like this, med staff will always slightly overestimate how much time is left. So in this case, either they completely got the prognosis wrong or no one is actually genuinely hitting roadblocks that were completely unexpected. Because right now, we're talking about his return in 2024, which is absurd given the original timeline that we're given, but not necessarily that crazy given the severity of the injury he suffered. It's just a massive failure at all levels. Decision-making, um, treatment, um what else what can i even say planning it's just transfer negotiations it's just it's just a massive failure i wouldn't have had summer i wouldn't have broken our gentleman's agreement with summer but i would have included in that agreement hey you have to move by this date or we have to keep you know because then maybe we could have kept Mm -hmm. noble and i don't rate noble at all but maybe 
in outside of Noir's Shadow, he could have blossomed on. And if he didn't, we still wouldn't have had to spend a large amount of money on someone or something, something like that, you know? That's just, yeah. it's just a massive, massive missed opportunity. And it just feels like this is one of the other things about the hurricane transfer that it feels like the bosses were so laser focused on this and getting this done that they've ignored everything else, every other transfer. That's why we, I'm glad we got Kim Min Jae over the line before the cane transfer happened. Because if we hadn't, it feels like it might not have happened at all. Everything these last few weeks has been cane, 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 cane. Nothing else has gotten done. And yeah. that's why yeah. we don't have a new keeper yet and the Bundesliga starts in a week's time it's unfortunate let me, yeah let me ask you one little one last one-liner do you think we're gonna see Nora back yes okay all right I wish we had gone for Giannis Omlin instead of Sommer Omlin ended up replacing yeah, Sommer and Gladbach yeah. yeah it's a very yeah, good keeper that was a long yeah. time ago mm-hmm. it feels like it feels like ages ago to be honest we were so we were so optimistic back then and now here we are well right. I, I, I guess this is where we stopped so yeah, this was I Need No Name and Samarin. We were reviewing Bayern Munich's 3-0 loss to RB Leipzig, as well as the massive, massive Kane transfer. I think it goes without saying that we are happy about Kane and we're not happy about the results and Tupo. Yes, I cannot disagree there. Yeah. And yeah. well, here's our outro. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and pretty much any other podcasting platform. You can find us on Twitter or X or whatever it's going to be called at... Bavarian FP works. You can also check out our blog where we have match observations, match awards, our game thread, and a massive community where you can discuss the disgusting games that we see being played before us. And that's all from us tonight. Thank you for listening. Thank you.